Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Hear engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. Hi, my name is Caroline Stocks, Managing Editor of Portrait Health Today, and with me is Brian Jurdan, who's an Associate Professor at the University of Georgia. Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, you've been involved with an infectious bronchitis surveillance program in broilers in the South and Southeast, and it looks as though there's been pretty extensive testing that you, that you did there. Was the main purpose to determine um, the, the prevalence or the extent of um, infection, or was it more to determine the, the types of serotypes that were circulating? Uh, it was a little bit of both, actually. So uh, we started the project a couple years ago uh, in an effort to try to understand what bronchitis viruses were just normally circulating in our broiler frogs, particularly. Um, we, had, we were dealing with the DMV 1639 variant, um, and the last few variants that have occurred in the industry kind of sneak up on us without us really knowing what's out there. And so this, the, the goal of this project was to try to gather as much information as we could from you know, clinically healthy flocks, but also sick flocks as well, to try to understand what the bronchitis population was uh, and see if we would be able to maybe develop a data set that would allow us to try to be a little bit more predictive in when the next variant may occur or if the next variant was on the horizon, you know, with just a big body of data. So how many um, flocks and over what kind of time period were you looking at? We've gone almost two years collecting data. Uh, total flock number, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that we have tested uh, between five and 6,000 samples from different flocks across uh, the southeast, um, in the mid-south, and in more of the midwestern area, Arkansas, Mississippi, and that that region as well. The prime infection window for bronchitis is typically that four weeks of age, you know, kind of three to five range. Uh, but we test samples, you know, all the way down to 10 to 14 days of age and broilers up to 50, 60 days of age. And then when we get into layers and breeders, it runs the gamut of young pullets in the first couple of weeks of life to 50 plus week uh, old birds that are in production. So in terms of the, the serotypes that you identified, were there specific ones that you were going out and looking for, or was it just a case of seeing what was in the field? Well, it's a little bit of both. We were trying to see everything that was there, but we were using real-time PCR. And with real-time PCR, you have to go and look specifically for individual serotypes. So we were, we were trying to answer both questions. Um, in the, uh, the assays that we have developed for real-time PCR will allow us to detect all of the serotypes that are currently circulating or have been predominant serotypes in the past that we, we know about, uh, including DMV 1639. But we also have a test that will give us just a generic yes or no answer on a bronchitis infection. And sometimes we can screen with that as well to see if maybe there's a bronchitis type that we don't know exactly the genetics or the serotype of. Uh, but that test will, will pick that up and we may uh, get a little bit more information from that. So when you were actually um, identifying and finding the virus in flocks, was it multiple serotypes or was it a case of just, just one serotype predominantly being in one flock? Um, if we exclude vaccines and just focus on what we would consider true field challenges, it was most often just one field virus. Uh, but there were definitely times when we detected two or even three viruses that were not of the same serotype as the vaccine program. Um, but those cases were definitely less prevalent than just a predominant you know, field strain. 
And did you identify any new serotypes that you weren't expecting to see? Well, uh, yes, we did in um, some samples that came from a layer flock, actually. Uh, we had a situation where our generic bronchitis PCR, our assay that will detect any infectious bronchitis virus, was very positive. But all of our assays that detected the individual serotypes that we know about were negative. And so we followed that sample up with some traditional sequencing of the spike gene. Uh, and it turned out it was a, a variant um, that we have not really seen before. And since then, in uh, definitely in layer samples, in some breeder samples, but also in some broiler samples, um, we've seen that same profile as far as positive with our, our generic bronchitis assay, negative with our serotype specific assays. Um, and actually, I'm starting a big project this summer to go through these samples and try to type them genetically and see if this that one variant we detected last year is the predominant one or is this a function of bronchitis where we have a lot of different genetic populations circulating at the same time and just every once in a while one becomes the predominant later on so that that new strain that you're seeing is it is it geographically in a similar area or how how could it be spreading in the beginning i thought it was um, the sample that we detected it from came from florida but then talking with other colleagues at other universities and different diagnostic labs, um, we've actually seen samples that were positive with sequences that were very similar from Kansas, from California, and from Texas. So it seems like it may be more ge geographically spread, but at the same time, I don't want to cause too much alarm because it is, is still a very random identification of this virus. It's not like we find it in every sample um, that we are testing all the time. So we're still trying to evaluate if it's actually a new variant causing disease or if it's, again, just one of these hodgepodge of, of bronchitis genomes that are floating around out there in our populations and our birds. So from what you've looked at from all this, this multiple testing and all the, the data that you've been looking at, what's your advice for producers? There's a lot of information that can be gained here. Uh, just like we traditionally have used ELISAs and potentially HIs for serology to look at titers and what our birds may have been exposed to over time, we can do some of that same analysis with real-time PCR, but in real time. So more as the flocks are, are still in production. Um, and we're figuring out that there's a lot more bronchitis out there than we thought at all times, or at least I would say that I thought at all times. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be causing you an issue. But if you can create uh, basically your own database within a company, with this information and say, okay, traditionally these farms or these complexes, this is the challenge that we have. These are the vaccines that we have. Um, then you have a good baseline so that if that shifts and now you're seeing a different virus in the field, even if you're not seeing production issues yet, um, you may be able to be again, a little bit more predictive in what kind of vaccine program change you may want to issue or you know what kind of production performance standards that you uh, want to change. Do you think enough producers are doing that kind of monitoring at the moment? Um, we have several companies and complexes that send in samples about once a month, some once a quarter and are doing a pretty routine surveillance. Um, the issue with PCR though is that it can be expensive. So in addition to doing all of this surveillance and, and evaluating this data, we're also uh, trying to determine is there a better way that we can do these kind of, this kind of sampling and do this kind of analysis and testing so that it becomes cost effective enough to where it's really uh, incentivized for the, the producers to, to send these samples in. 
Do you think that with more sampling and with more monitoring that some producers might actually have to change their um, change their vaccination programs? I won't say that they will have to change their vaccination program, but I think with more more surveillance, with more data, you just have a much better basis of information if you decide that you want to make a change in your vaccine program. Um, it will give you information while you're on the, the program that you're currently on now, and you can see whether you feel like that program is actually giving you the protection that you need. But then when you, if you do decide to make a change, you can evaluate that change compared to the way it was before because you've got all of that historical information. And so you can really make that comparison. Okay, well, this change improved my flock. It reduced the field challenges that we have, uh, or it didn't. And then you can decide where you want to go from there. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com slash join.